Hi, my name is Shruti. And my name is Julie. And this is a podcast of convenience. Where we talk about romance novels and all the fun stuff that comes with it. We're on a roll right now talking about Ice Planet Barbarians. If you listened to our first episode, which if you didn't, why are you here? You'll learn that we um, are weirdly obsessed with Ice Planet Barbarians. Don't don't and ask them why they're here. They're here because... We, we no, I meant like if you, listen, <laughs> if you started with this one, you're going to be very confused. Go back and listen to the first episode. I mean, will you be any less confused? Ice Planet Barbarians is kind of a confusing topic. It is. And we're jumping right in. Um, no, we're, we're talking gonna, about... We're going to introduce ourselves this time. Oh, you're right. We're not jumping right in. I forgot. I don't... We didn't talk about ourselves very much last time. No. And in case you care who we are, we're going to talk about that first. Yeah, I think it's it's good. I like when I listen to podcasts to know a little bit about the podcasters and how they met and why they're doing this, I guess, a little bit. Julie, who are you? No, Julie. (laughs) Who are you? Um, I'm Julie. I live in Salem, Oregon, and I have known Shruti since we were like 12 or 13 years old, and now we're in our 30s. So it's been a straight-up lifelong friendship. So if you notice that we talk to each other very casually and easily, it's because we are basically sisters at this point. I like how you think we talk to each other naturally. That's kind of nice. As naturally as we talk to anyone because we're both very awkward people. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's not inaccurate. This is our maximum, our is, maximum natural. It's funny because we both worked in like customer service jobs for so long where you're like dealing with people. True. And then you got to put on the persona of like, I know how to do this. Even though inside your mind is screaming that you don't want to do this. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't say that. Like I have, we both are currently working our jobs where we have to talk to people. So we love it. It's super easy. Uh I am so social and I love it. I love We're living our dreams. I love selling to people. <laughs> That's what I yeah. love. I live to do it. It's a lifelong mission. Um, anyways, <laughs> we're super pleased about work. But anyways, my name is Shruti. I have known Julie since I was, I don't know, a year older than you. So if you were 12 and I was 13, we met in eighth grade. Julie does not remember but I remember because it's burned into my mind as a moment of supreme jealousy that Julie got cast in the eighth grade play as a character named Woman. Oh my god, I don't remember that. And I auditioned for Woman, Julie, and I didn't get Woman. I am thrilled. I don't remember that at all. It was it in the Monsters Are Due on Maple Street that like Twilight I don't Zone remember episode? the name of the play, but yeah, I think that's what it was. Oh my god, you were cast Fantastic. as Woman. It was a bottom locker production. I was born to play that role. You were. I mean, Julie actually is a terrific actress, and I've been jealous <laughs> no, of that. Stop. I've been jealous of that since I was like 13 years old. Um, less so as the years go on, because I've developed into a more mature personality where I can support my friends. And I clearly put my acting skills to work every day, right? At my job at a hospital. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Dealing with, dealing with human beings is hard. <laughs> acting like I care. <laughs> We shouldn't say that. It's we really need hard. we need to keep our jobs. We need to make money. That's valid. Um, I do I, like my job. I just it's definitely not um, not as creative as I'd like sometimes, which is why we're here doing this so we can have a creative outlet. Thank God. Yeah, I, Julie and I have done a lot of weird projects over the years um, that never end up going anywhere. It's just fun stuff that we do together. <laughs> like we we've, we've written whole books and never published them anywhere. No. But, you know, to be fair, COVID kind of came in along the middle of, like, when I finished it, and I just could not emotionally 
prepare myself to just sit and write when the world was like burning around me. So I was like, you know, it's okay. You know, you can give yourself space to relax. Sometimes you just need to survive and that's fine too. And that's perfectly fine. Um, Julie and I met in junior high. We went to high school together. We went to college together for a year and we commuted together from, well, I was in Cerritos, California, Southern California. And Julie was in Lakewood which is right next door to Cerritos, and we would drive to Orange, California to go to college. And then I got deeply depressed, and I dropped out of college, and I went to community college for a few years. And then we didn't get to carpool anymore. But we still lived next door, and we've been living close to each other on and off until Julie moved to Oregon. And I moved up to the Bay Area. I was in San Francisco. Now I'm in Oakland, California. It's on fire a little bit near here. I realized that this morning the sky is orange again, and I didn't realize that there were actual fires. So, are they? They're not Sometimes. like threatening your place of residence, though. At this point, no, right? it's in some okay. place called Dixie, and I don't even know where Dixie is. But apparently, it's like the biggest wildfire of all of California time. Oh, Jesus from the Christ. Google search, which might be like a clickbait ad or something. But it's yeah, orange. It's been fun. Wildfire season every year has gotten more and more thrilling for the yeah. West Coast. We love it. What's I up? had a go bag pack last year. So listen to your in, your local indigenous folks when they tell you how to manage land. Because yep. no offense, Julie. Julie is white. <laughs> but white you people. You never ever have to say no offense when you're about to insult white people because we fucking deserve it. No, don't but, ever say no but offense. But Julie, we're going to have listeners and the listeners are, might be white and I don't want them to be okay, like. Okay, fellow white people who are listening to this. Treat these are reverse racist. Just, just shut up. If you're going to claim <laughs> reverse racism, shut up and turn off this podcast. Yeah. But listen to your indigenous people. They really know how to manage the land. And, and, and stop at the fireworks. Don't set off fireworks. I hated hearing fireworks on the 4th of July this year. No stop more gender it. reveals. No more what, gender. Stop it. What is gender? Why are we still revealing yeah, it? Yeah, you're revealing nothing. You're revealing a gender that could be completely false once that child is old enough to realize. I feel like half of the people that would listen to this podcast are like, we Let's hate alienate them now. everybody. We Honestly, hate them now. <laughs> if you are, if you, <laughs> let's just, let's weed them out real quick. If you believe that there are only two genders and that the gender you're born with is the only one that, that your biological gender, the gender you're assigned at birth is the only one that you have access to, don't listen to our podcast. Don't do it. We've got a person of color and a bisexual woman talking about issues here. I mean, again. <laughs> You're going to disagree with us. Julie and I have talked about this every goddamn day of quarantine, but like, I don't know that I'm as straight as I thought I was when I went into yeah. quarantine. So, hey, I'm going to go with queer. If you got issues with the queers, <laughs> don't listen to us. If you have issues with, with the browns, <laughs> people who say that black lives matter, uh, don't listen to us because no. the do. And you're not going to want to hear the things we have to say. So let's weed them out early. That's fair. Oh, and get vaccinated and stop. Oh, yeah. And get vaccinated if you can. If you're medically able to get vaccinated, do so. Exactly. Wear a mask. Wear a damn mask. People aren't talking about it enough, but stop line three. Yeah. There's all sorts of stuff that we're going to get heated about. And if you don't want to hear about it, don't listen. That's fine, too. No. Well, anyways, I'm sitting in my closet right now. I've created a little (laughs) den for myself in which to record. (laughs) Uh, these episodes of Ice Planet Barbarian Convo. Yeah, and I have a blanket tacked to the wall behind me that my spouse put up so that oh, there is that, an echo. Is that what You that see is? this ratty blanket that my dog tore a hole in? Yeah. I do. Yeah, pretty classy. Oh, Julie has ducks. Julie has dogs and cats and ducks. 
I have a bunch of animals living here with me. We're friends. They're cool roommates. I have a dog and a cat. Shruti has a dog who attacks people, and it's great. No, we worked on it. She hasn't done that. We're... Evan's, Evan, again, Evan, my fiance, was here, or his dad was here for like a month. And so we met with the behaviorist beforehand because she's a chihuahua mix. What are you going to do? Like, she's a little vicious rat dog. And I love her. She's an extension of my actual soul. I love her so much. She's an extension of the anxiety that lives in your soul. And the range, I think, a little bit. <laughs> and the fear. And the fear of men. Oh, my God. She just loves to bite men. So yeah, I swear to God, the last day before Evan's dad left, she rolled onto her back and let herself get pet by Evan's dad, which... Holy shit! Audrey! He gave her bacon every day for three to four weeks. I mean, if someone did that for me, I'd probably let them touch my belly, too. I don't know what to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> Mull it over. Yeah. I'm a vegetarian, so that doesn't resonate with me. <laughs> That's fair. I'm supposed That's to be a vegetarian, fair. too, but I still like bacon. You know, for someone who wasn't a lifelong vegetarian, you do a pretty good job. Eh, at times. I like to think, because for me, it's religious. For you, it's not. Like, vegetarianism, veganism, it's not a zero-sum game. Yeah. If you're That's doing it for whatever point. reasons you're doing it. You know, my brother was vegetarian. Now he's not vegetarian. Live your life. But, like, animals are dope. <laughs> animals are dope. If you hate animals, turn off the podcast. <laughs> Since I'm alienating people. If you like hunting, don't listen to us. I've had a few hunters. They seem all right. It's weird when you hang them on the wall, though. No, I don't. I truly don't mind if people hunt if as long as they're sustainable and responsible yeah. about it. I, but like, I just I like I just like being, hot, you know, throwing out hot takes about we things. We were uh, Jamil and I and Guillaume. Jamil is another mutual friend of ours. Guillaume is her husband. We went to um, Scotland together on vacation because Jamil was living in France many many years ago, and the house we were staying at had like a stuffed fox head on the wall, like next to the bathroom. Was so like every time I had to go to the bathroom, he was I had it. I had to look at a stuffed fox face. <laughs> it was disturbing. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I like a I like a good skull and decoration. I can't pretend yeah, I'm not like morbid, but I don't have any. I just like them. I no, appreciate them. I get it. I like that. I wouldn't want roadkill in my house, but I get it that people enjoy that as art. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about barbarians. Oh, so what we're talking about today is that I feel we Book went to the first episode to talk about how much we loved Ice Planet Barbarians, and then we'd spent a lot of time ripping it apart. But that's fun. That's art. We're allowed. You put art out in the world for people to react to. That's the whole point. But this book that we're going to talk about specifically today is we're not, we did not enjoy. We're here just to rip it apart. Not even a little bit. and Not for one sentence. So we went on Amazon... To be fair, Julie and I have been friends for a long time. We haven't just talked about this on a podcast. We talk about this book series all the time to the point where our friends are like, stop talking about Ice Planet Barbarians. <laughs> we're like, hey, we're thinking of making a podcast. And one of our friends was like, oh, about the Ice Planet Barbarians. <laughs> and I was like, way to call me out like that, man. That's real In all up. fairness, the podcast is about romance novels. It just happens to be about Ice Planet Barbarians right it's now. Good, it's a good segue into the worlds of romance novels, I think. But this is book 21. Of the Ruby Dixon series, Ice Planet Barbarians, the spin-off series called Ice Home, and it's called Willa's Beast. And Julie and I went on Amazon and looked at the reviews of Willa's Beast because of all the entire series, we were like, there's like literally no redeeming quality to this romance story. This I wonder worst. what the reviewers said. And it has like four and a half stars. They <laughs> fucking was... love it. I and don't get it. I was like... 
This book is repellent. I don't want to be like, you guys are broken. <laughs> I'm a very deeply broken person myself. I, I consume a lot of media that, you know, like I spend six hours a day on TikTok. Like I've got my own shit that I'm working on. So no hate to people that did like this book. Um, but we didn't. We didn't. And, and truly. And if you did like it and you don't want to hear us talk shit about it, maybe this isn't the episode to listen to. We're I, don't, just gonna... I don't want to ruin All right, people who love romance novels, likes. we're alienating you too. Get out of here. Nobody <laughs> listen to this episode. No, but if you want to hear us talk shit about this book, it's going to be funny because this book was insane. It was insane. Um, I, what I was thinking is on the wiki, they have um, like a little plot um, summary and I was thinking of going through like sentence by sentence and then when we hit something we want to talk about we talk about it oh that's a good idea yeah let's do it so um, just as a super quick recap in case you haven't heard our first episode humans landed on an ice planet there are aliens very fuckable aliens <laughs> um, at this point in the ice home series another ship has crash land mm, yeah has crash landed here containing more human women and a couple of alien men who are not the blue guys that we're used to from the series they are of other races there are a couple of gold dudes no sorry there's one gold dude a couple of red dudes i like the gold dude i love the gold dude his name is ashtar he's he's hot he's a literal dragon man he's a literal Um, dragon oh we love to see a literal dragon man um and then there's a character named gren um who is um animalistic and unable to be spoken to to the point where he needs to be tied up because he just fights when he is released from his And on his the surface, I will say, I love a redeemable character story arc where it's like, oh, we really misunderstand this person. And then we learn their redeeming qualities as the book goes on. This was not totally. that book. And I love a monster fucker book. Let's be honest here. <laughs> this was not for me somehow. So I'm just going to start with the plot. Willa, the main female protagonist isn't sure what to think when she awakens on an ice planet. I already have She's comments. told... <laughs> I'm kidding. Tell me, tell me. Hit no, me no, with no, them. no, no, I'm kidding. I'll wait. I'll wait. Keep going. Oh, my God. I was so excited. She's told by the locals that they're the good guys, but she isn't so sure when she sees how they've tied up the beast man, Gren. Okay. Let's talk about Gren. Can we talk about Gren or should we talk about Willa? Oh, either way. So, first comment is, when we were going through these Amazon comments, is that everybody hated Willa. They hate Willa. But everyone loved Gren. And I hated Willa. I thought Willa was really deeply problematic, beginning to end. I think she needs help. I don't know if she's going to get it on an ice planet. Like, I don't think there's a therapist on the ice planet that could get her the help that she needs based on her past. Um, But I found it very, very strange that people were really, like, in love with Gren when the descriptions of Gren begin as we go on in this. But Willa... No redeeming qualities for Gren. Her backstory, like her sympathetic, quote unquote. No, I won't quote this. It was a sympathetic backstory. (laughs) It was weird. No, her backstory was weird, but like this kind of stuff actually does happen on planet Earth. So I'm like, it is sympathetic if you were in the situation of being with like an abusive family. So the way she grew up was... I think her mom and her uncle were like addicted to drugs and they were involved in like dog fights so they were like raising pit bulls to dog fight and again we talked about in the beginning julie and i really love animals today was julie's first day volunteering at a wildlife sanctuary yes i met an owl named ruth and i intend to die for her someday 
totally believable. I buy that. She, and she did little chirps at me. I'm sure she deserves that level of devotion because owls are really cool. She does. She looks like a Muppet. I love her. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. But also, if anyone deserves to work with wildlife, um, it's Julie because she's worked with animals her whole life. And I get why Willa is traumatized from her experiences on planet Earth. I understand that. But the way that it gets translated in the book is that um, she does a lot of really bad things. Like, she thinks she kills someone. Like, literally, she relates to Gren because Gren reminds her of one of the pit bulls. So I'm like, Willa, did you want to fuck a pit bull? I don't understand <laughs> why it's you're borderline, so... Definitely borderline bestiality in this one. Yeah, and it's like in an upsetting way where I'm like, Willa, Willa, you're not growing. Willa, you're not changing. Willa, you're just really upsetting. And the way that you relate your past of like being involved in a dogfighting ring to Gren... Like it's not healthy, and it's like yucky. I've thought, I've thought a lot of stuff in this book series was unhealthy, but this is the one where I was like, it gets like it gets physically gross in the way. Can that I they... talk about? Can I talk about what Gren looks like so that people know why Willa is borderline I would fucking say a it's, dog? It's not even the way that he looks, but yes, it's so much more than that. But do continue. <laughs> so, he has. I went to a different. I went. I'm using the um, Ice Planet Barbarian Universe wiki for a lot of this, so they get credit for this. But he um, he has a tail. He has a which, lot of fur, which is not he has, off the bat terrible because the sock we have both of those things. Sure, his fur is longer though, for sure. Yep. Um, he has claws on all of his fingers. Yep. Um, the fur kind of tapers off on his hands and feet, but it is thicker on his lower arms and his thighs. Um, also very thick on his head and shoulders. Um, and it's like a full body coat. It's the same shade as his skin is, is what they say. Um, I think that's, um, he's got four fingers and a thumb, which is different than the Sakui. He's got a tail. Um, he has a nose that is kind of a snout. Um, (laughs) she compares it to like a cat's nose. He's got um, sharp cheekbones, and his fangs are so big that they distort his mouth. That's yes. right. It wasn't tusks. It was distorted He's got, like, fangs. a gray fur and gray skin, very thick fur, tusks, essentially, fangs that distort his mouth, and a cat snout. Uh, that's Gren. Just to something to think about when you're picturing their love story later. I mean... Again, because I've read like 18 of the ice planet, 18 plus of the ice planet barbarians, and they've introduced new species now. So you've got the dragon alien. Um, they're like gladiators. So Gren is also a gladiator. Um, these people were crashed here. All the new men are essentially from the gladiator planet. They're slave gladiators. Yes. And so, like, I understand why Gren is the way he is because he's like an actual biological mutant like they've he's like a dna splice monster that they he's cobbled together from different pieces of different species yeah so he's like a a biological creation he didn't have parents or a home he was literally a frankenstein he's a frankenstein monster who was bred to murder (laughs) like that's his whole thing and and like the way that he describes his experiences like again because again these books go from the character of the female to the male protagonist would we call Gran a male? Like, he has a penis, but I he mean... He has a penis. I think he uses he, him pronouns, so... 
They do use he, him pronouns, but does he even have language? He does have language, I should say. It's a growling language, so nobody understands him because he only speaks in growls. So, like, everyone thinks that he's trying to murder them in the beginning, so they keep tying him down and, like, not treating him with love and care like they would the rest of the people. And Willa hates this. Willa's like, wow, you guys aren't treating him with an, even an ounce of humanity. But the thing is, Gren is actually trying to kill them on his way out of here. Like he, Yes, he is violently attacking people when he is untied. Yeah, and so it's like, Willa, girl, he's trying to kill do, people. I'm going to do another sentence because we're on the right track. Okay. Gren knows how to fight. It's all he knows how to do. Fight in the arena, fight off of it. He doesn't trust anyone, certainly not these Sakwi that claim he is free. Which is an interesting line, only because they cannot understand each other. The Sakwi do not get a chance to explain to him that he is free and that they are not his new slavers and that he's not in the, in the arena. Um, they have translator chips that they can install into people at this point, but he thrashes so much that they are unable to give him one so that they cannot explain what's going on. And so sort every, of in a state where they're trying to figure out what to do with him, but as of right now, they just tie him up and guard him. Every bad thing that happens to Gren, Willa blames on the Sakwi. Like, she blames it on everyone except for Gren. Not that I'm saying, like, blame Gren. I mean, like, I get it. He's not well. But I don't think you're really understanding the situation. And she keeps comparing herself to, like, her and him are, like, the two pit bull dogs that are escaping from the dog fighting ring. And I'm like, girl, these people have been nothing but nice to you. They fed you and clothed you and are trying to take care of you. And you have this very irrational hatred towards them. Because the dog man is not being cared for in the way that you think. And you're, you love pit bulls because you had to watch them die. It's so weird. It's a very She's such a broken story. character. Yeah. And she never really heals. Anyways, do you want to roll into the next sentence of your story? Willa wants to help Gren escape from his binds and leave with him. She isn't interested in staying with people that would keep Gren tied up. Gren is surprised, but leaves with her. Okay. We'll pause there. Pause. Yeah. So the way that Willa chooses to help Gren escape, like in the other books, a lot of these books overlap storylines. So the story of Gren and Willa's escape is in other books. They're like, oh, Gren broke free and stole Willa. probably took her, yeah. Because they were like probably resonating because that happens a lot in these books. And if you want to know more about resonating, you can hear about that in our first podcast episode. (laughs) But what had actually happened was Willa took a giant rock. And this is the worst part. Because there's a character named Pashov, who was a Sakwi guy, who was very badly injured in a rock cave-in to the point where he lost his memory and this horrible head injury. I guess Willa doesn't know that, but regardless, she chooses to take a giant rock and bash him on the head again. And so she to, thinks that she's killed. To knock killed. out the guard, she yeah. She thinks that she's killed. And we love Pashov, because he's a nice character. She thinks that she's killed Pashov, feels little to no remorse... She's and a moment, a brief moment. Brief of moment of, oh, is he dead? Ooh, my bad. And then they're out. <laughs> they're out. They leave. Gren is surprised, but leaves with her is the line. Um, it's keeping in mind they cannot communicate with each other um, and that she has basically murdered his guard in order to free him and flee into the night. They escape into the wilderness, living out there for a few days. When Willa is attacked by a group of snowcats, Gren protects her, becoming wounded in the process. Oh, Julie, we gotta talk about before the snowcats. What does Gren do every five feet of their walk? Oh my god, you're right. Okay. 
Um, I don't even want to describe lot, it. It's so there's gross. A, <laughs> there's a lot of um, deep snow moments where the male characters will carry the female character. It's just like a thing that happens a lot in this series. The snow is deep. The humans are frail. The men pick them up and carry them. It's very romantic. It's very like sweeping gesture to take care of your woman. Great. Gren has never touched a woman before. Oh, it's so yucky. You have to say it. I don't want to. Gren has never touched a woman before. And having a woman what is it, in his arms or on his back or something, he's carrying her I think somehow. no. I think he's carrying her like on his hips like a baby or something. Yeah. She's like, she's like monkeyed onto his side, basically. So gross. Every minute of this. Just the idea. Just, just her being physically close to him. <laughs> every He's carrying her across the wilderness and every... What, half an hour, I think they say. He, in her mind, hunches over as if he's in pain, takes a minute to recover, and then continues walking. And she's so concerned that he's in pain, he's in pain. When you get his perspective of the situation, as soon as his dick is ready again, he gets hard. He thinks about her sitting on him or being close to him physically. He has an orgasm in the snow. His fur luckily hides the whole situation because it's like his fur creates sort of a natural loincloth. He leans over, hunches, jizzes into the snow, and then gets up and continues walking with her. He does that every half an hour for their entire journey into the wilderness. And that's before even the snowcats come. Like, this, this is a... I love how <laughs> they glossed over that in this description. Like, it's that so is yucky. not... That, I mean, I think it was that was at the point where I started texting you going, Julie, this book is really frightening. It's really weird. <laughs> and it was funny because Julie hadn't read it and she was like... She didn't read it for like another week because she was on a break from the Ice Planet Barbarians. This is the last book I read because it was so... No, I think I read like the novella after this, but I was so icked out by this that I just was like, oh, I couldn't... I couldn't romanticize it anymore. It ruined That's, it for me. At what point is this a romantic character? Like, do we really... Like, is this like, ooh, how sexy he loves her. He loves just the touch of her so much that he jizzes in the snow every 30 seconds. Like... That's not... Like, in some books, I think in, like, the second one, because it's very fresh in my mind, I just reread that one the other day um, mm-hmm. for the purpose of the podcast. And with, like, Liz and Rahosh, Rahosh is the one with the broken horn, um, because of... I'm not going to get into all of it, but he he's never known the touch of a woman, right? And he's resonating, like, full stop resonating. These two aren't resonating yet, but those two were resonating, and Liz decides at some point that she wants to consummate their relationship and so she knows that he's going to ejaculate quickly and so that's like part of it where she's just like that's fine it's okay do what you got to do the first time or two and then we'll really slow down and enjoy it this is not that this is not no, like that's actually a thing that happens at several points throughout the series where the yeah. women are like i just like watching you get off no matter how quick it is and then we have more, all the time in the world to continue on yeah, which is they're great. like they're great like literal sex aliens like that's what they're gonna do and it's fine <laughs> yeah. for what they are this it's fine him being so attracted to her and just the touch but of what a stranger would we even call it attraction what they're experiencing is like this feral animalistic but not like in a sexy feral animalistic. I feel like that no. could be misconstrued. It's like actually like dogs. It's really weird. Oh my god. I almost had a heart attack. I'm sorry. My spouse just walked into the room and I didn't know he was there until I saw him in my camera of just a shape, a shadow. Oh my god. Me, <laughs> and I nearly had a heart attack. Okay. Anyway. It's because Gren is so scary. <laughs> it's because Gren has put me on edge. Oh my god. I feel like Gren is going to come around a corner at any minute and just be a yeti in here with me. 
Oh my god. Every time I kept texting you, I'm like, she's fucking the Yeti. She's yeah, you texted me a lot about like this is a story about a Yeti and, and they're fucking. And I was like, Oh, this will be a fun romp. No. No, it's just traumatizing. I kept telling you, I kept warning you that this was not a redeemable story, but you're like, if it's so weird, I still want to read it. And you did. Yeah. And I did and I I read a lot of weird shit in my day. And when I read a romance novel, I don't I don't want these it's things. Read, to it reads like a horror. I read a lot of horror. I read I read a lot. Romance is my favorite, but I do read a lot. And this reads like a horror sci-fi. <laughs> it does not read like a romance. Um It's so tonally different than the other books in the series. Oh man, it's like really sick. Anyways. So let's go back to Gren getting attacked by or Willa getting attacked by snowcats and Gren who protects her and becomes wounded in the process. Um, they make their way to a hunter's cave so he can recover. Yeah. They are discovered by the others, but refuse their help. And this, again, was frustrating for me because Willa, Willa can communicate and speak with these people, and she keeps turning down help all like over and over again. Um, because that they were once they were one, they once mistreated Gren, she refuses to accept. Yeah, their help even now. though they're like giving her food and medicine and supplies, like they're leaving it outside, saying, "Hey, I know you don't want to come outside. Like we get that something weird is happening, but he is dying. He's literally mm-hmm. dying. Like he's he's sure dying. And then she's dying because he's dying because she won't eat and like she can't take care of herself and she just refuses help from." The people that one time tied up Gren, who was trying to kill them, and Gren again is a genetic killing machine. So monster. If mm-hmm. he was not tied up, and like later in the books when he does develop the ability to speak, he does tell Willow, like I was going to kill them. I planned to. I one hundred percent was going to kill them all on my way out. Like I don't know why you're having a hard time processing that. I remember. I'm I'm flashing back to a scene. I'm having a war style flashback back oh, to a scene God. where. I think it was before the point in the the um, synopsis that I'm in that they were like maybe hiding somewhere or something scary had just happened and that she was sort of like pressed against ice and then they were like pressed against each other and she just jerked him off. Did I hallucinate okay. that? Okay. Okay. So I know Julie didn't reread this. I also did not reread this one because I couldn't put myself through it Because you twice. love yourself. Yes. You I, respect yourself. I respect myself enough to be like once was enough. But, like, I do remember before the snowcat incident, or, like, immediately. No. She jerks him off, right? She, yeah, they were already very sexual before the snowcats. They just had not consummated, like, penetrative sex. But they were, Somewhere like. Somewhere along the way, she went from being, like, I, he's a pit bull I need yeah. to save to, like, I want to fuck this yeti. And it was such a weird transition because, like, in the beginning, it really was, like, oh, this is a poor animal that I need to rescue from where he is. Oh, it would have been really funny if, like, she had just untied him and then he just murdered her. She just mauled her? Because <laughs> he was literally just an animal bred for the gladiator fights. That's he was, like, a literally lion. what she had set up. I'm sorry, Ruby. That's what you had set up for that us. That would have been fascinating, yeah. God, that would have been funny. I would have really enjoyed that a lot better than right? what I... It would have been less scary than what the rest of this was. It would have been way less scary. No, but, yeah, they're just... they're. They're like, I don't want to get into the every description of every sexual act that they commit to each other, <laughs> commit upon each other. But they were like, they were very sexual to completion on both sides. It and felt like, like zero to Every 62. time she kissed Gren, she had to like kiss like around the deformity of his mouth. And so it was like. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. <clears throat> the kissing really upset me. It's because the way she described it, she said, 
I would kiss him and our lips couldn't really connect because of his fangs. So we just basically licked each other's faces. Yep. I'm not kidding when I say this. Yep, the like way dogs. that those characters kiss, even casually, is that they lick each other's mouths like dogs. And it's like... And she thinks it's cute and charming that she can't kiss him normally because of his tusks. So she has to lick his mouth. <laughs> it's because his mouth is super deformed because of the fact that he's a splice monster. And he's got a snout. I'm not saying Gren doesn't deserve love. I'm just saying the way that it went about it was really problematic. I, he deserves love, but but I don't want to read about her licking his mouth. He's a monster. I don't I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. And then I think every single time they came together for any kind of a sexual experience, it really felt like I don't want this to be happening. Yeah. I'm like, at least this feels wrong. They can't communicate. It feels like she's fucking an animal. Yes, because they also can't communicate. That's a big thing. Because in a lot of the other books where they can't communicate, like there is one, um, I think it was like the, the fourth or fifth one, where there's like an actual barbarian, not like a barbarian as in we're in the Stone Age, but like a feral man who was a child in the Saqui and everyone thought he had died, but he had actually like been taken away by his father and grew up outside of, and then his dad died really young, so he just didn't know language. And he was also kind of weird where he, like, knocked out a lady and dragged her off, you know? Yeah. It was weird, but I also feel like when you're two sentient beings that can, like, sort of mime to each other... Yeah, they learn how to communicate. learn words from each other, Mm -hmm. it's one thing. These didn't do that. They just acted like animals around each other. And it was very, very deeply upsetting. Okay, (laughs) so then we get to the snowcats. Oh, yeah, snowcat situation. That was the least interesting part of it. Yeah, the snowcats attack... I know, right? And you're like... I remember you texted me. You're like, oh, and I think I'm at the climax, right? And I'm like, girl, you're not even halfway yes, done. I thought that this was close to the end. I thought that the snowcat attack was going to be the big, big conflict that mm-hmm. is always resolved very quickly in oh, these no, chewy little gets, novels. It gets weirder and weirder. And it gets weirder. It's like the sci-fi Twilight Zone, but like, no, it's gro- It's like, um, like, what's the most horrific show you can think of? Black Mirror, maybe? <laughs> I feel like this would... This would be too much for Black Mirror. It's too sexual with animals. It's weird. <laughs> well, hey, the first episode of Black Mirror was pig fucking, so this to, is pretty close. To be fair, I never really watched a lot. Of, I think I watched one episode of Black Mirror, and I was like... Oh, don't make it the... Don't watch the first one. Everyone it's told this. me not to, so I didn't. Yeah. Um, okay, so they get attacked by the snowcats, and Gren essentially throws his body in the way of danger, which, again, it's like, I would, I die, would die for, for you, Riley. which yeah. would be fine if they had spoken <laughs> one word to each other this entire time. If she wasn't just a vagina that he was in love with, because she's a yeah. vagina. Everything for him is very much like, this thing gives me sex and affection, nothing more. Like, she is not actualized in any way outside of this. Mm-hmm she's traumatized and therefore she loves him and he, he loves her because she's a, a vagina. crevice to put his dick in yeah it's really disgusting so they're they're holed up in the cave they're waiting for help and then eventually another character from the other books who does fall in love with ashtar the gold dragon and we, we love, love ashtar if you want to love read, a dragon character if you want to read like a gladiator story that doesn't make you want to gag read the ashtar story because i think cute. it's called angie's gladiator but the without the context of previous books it will be hard to read but that's it's true. great you know just read 18 other books and then get to angie's <laughs> gladiator. <laughs> to read about our dragon that we want to fuck <laughs> I will say about, we're going to sidebar to Ashtar just because it's such a foil to Gren. 
Like Ashtar is a fully actualized. He's so charming and he's yeah. like worldly and yeah, I mean he's great. He's worldly. He's seen a lot of the world. He's like an ace gladiator, so he doesn't die. So he just keeps getting richer and richer and better and better in the gladiator world. And um, he knew that he wanted to be with Angie even before. Was it Angie? No, it wasn't. Angie it was the was, pregnant um... one. I'll find it. Keep talking. Regardless, he falls in love with his lady fair. Um, regardless of having a a parasite tell him that. Sorry, it's Veronica's dragon. Veronica. And they're just like, he has that cocky, that cocksure kind of personality, like the confidence of of a dude that's like a, a winner, you know? And a dude that could turn into a dragon and kill you? I've dated a lot in my time, man. And I will tell you that when dudes have confidence just in themselves. Goes a long way. Maybe not to the extent that Ashtar the dragon did because he was a literal dragon, but... Like, I mean, I've, I don't want to talk shit on guys I've do- gone on dates with because they're like nice enough. But I do had, it. There was one guy, I think it was like my second date. I started dating really late in life because of the culture. Um, just wasn't much of allowed to do that until I was like, I'm going to do things in secret because it's more fun that way. But this like second or third guy I went on a date with, he spent, he spent the entire date telling me um, how much he was unhappy with his life. Do you remember? It was, like, years ago. Oh, man, it was, like, probably a full decade ago, maybe, like, eight years ago. He was just, like, real mopey the whole time? Yeah, he's like, I'm a teacher, and I'm just like, oh, that's really cool. He's like, yeah, it's not very rewarding. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And he's like, he's like, I live in Costa Mesa, blah, blah, blah. I don't remember where he lives. And he's like, but I live with six other people, and it sucks. And, like, every single thing was just, like, how he was unhappy. And at the end of it, I was just like, I'm not going to fix you. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to happen. You seem nice enough, but you really need to go see a therapist to sort out That's, why you're so yeah, sad. Yeah, plenty of guys who try to date instead of getting the therapist that they need. I yeah. And women too, but like, yeah. it's Oh, me for sure. Your, I definitely. Not your job. I dated so much as a depressed person before, like, I, I'm not going to say I fixed myself because that definitely didn't happen. But, <laughs> you know, I improved and I'm a lot more resilient now than I was um, when I was first dating. And, like, the idea that you're going to meet someone. This is very opposite of a romance novel, but in real life, you can't just date your way to happiness. Men or women or non-binary folks or however you identify, another a partner isn't going to fix you. But nah. I do, like, well, yeah, for me, because like, I'm definitely still going through the, the process of self-discovery and improvement. But like, it's really, really nice to have a person there to support you but not expect them to fix you. They should not be the ones to fix you. Yeah. yeah. And Ashtar was the opposite of that. He's a caricature of a, of like a, I know what I'm at. I know what I am. And I'm the best dude in here. <laughs> I'm the yeah, best take, dude in take, this place. Take it or leave it, but you're going to like it. So come on. Just <laughs> you're going to love all idea. of this. Don't pretend like I'm not super hot. I know I'm hot. <laughs> I'm literally gold. <laughs> I'm a gold dragon. Oh, which was very fun. I, oh, I loved him. He was <laughs> It was just delightful. It was such a delightful moment, and it was like one to two books before the downfall of this whole series, which is Gren. No, I think it was like the book before Gren. Was it one before? Yeah, one before Gren. Such a high to just fucking dive into such a low. Yeah. Anyways, I'm gonna read the next sentence. Okay. (laughs) Gren is not recovering from his wounds and is dying. Veronica, a healer, arrives and heals him. Oh, that's how we got on Ashtar. Is very, yeah, very vague sentence that we need to dive into. So Veronica learns, she's one of the humans that crashes on the planet. 
she learns that she has healing capabilities. And that was, by the way, Ice Planet Barbarians have magic sometimes. <laughs> just, sometimes they just have, roll with it. Sometimes they have precognition. Sometimes they have healing abilities. There's sometimes magic in the series. Freaking roll with it, guys. Don't question it. Just go with it. <laughs> But Veronica, actually, I think in the last episode, we talked about how characters didn't really have an arc um, or actualization. But I would say that Veronica and Ashtar both had an arc of learning about themselves. Because Veronica, don't look at me like that. (laughs) Julie's eye just twitched so hard like she doesn't agree with me. No, because Ashtar starts off as like, I know I'm the shit and you belong with me and you don't get to do healing because I say you don't get to do healing because it's dangerous for you. The end. And he has to learn that Veronica is her own character with agency and that she gets to do what she wants with her body and her choices. Like he really does learn how to respect her because she's not a prize. Like she's not a gladiator prize. You know, she's like an actual, Oh, and I forgot how they share fires. Oh, that's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) I, to an extent, I, I will agree with you. He does become a little bit more respectful, but at the same time, he's like, but you're going to stop healing when I say, and if I say that you're too tired, you're not going to do it. And, like, he's still kind of bossy. But I feel, like, I feel like he is bossy, but, like, at the same time, she is able to set her own boundaries and put her foot down. And to be fair, Veronica did push herself way too hard to the point where she was. Like, she does need a partner that's going to be like, maybe you need to take better care of yourself. Fair. I'll give you that. Yeah, and that they Veronica, Veronica was kind of like a, I don't have much self esteem. I don't know my role in the world, especially now that I've landed on a friggin' ice planet. And she really finds her own character, like her own purpose, and like wants to learn how to be a better healer and take care of the community. And that's a cool arc for a character. You know what? I'll give you that. Maybe that's why we liked that book so much more than some of the others, is because there was actual growth. Yeah, they both they both grew to a certain extent. In the process of, like, finding their affection for each other. It wasn't all about sex. Like, Ashtar was very much about his people are mind reader people. Like, they share. Oh, my God. I almost forgot That's about what I that. said. The share your fires thing. He was waiting to find the person, like, the one person he was going to share his fires with. And he knew it was Veronica from the day that he saw her. And they can psychically talk to each other now. They share every single thought. Yeah, that's a great story. Yeah, I mean, like, in real life, would I want that? No, because I have intrusive thoughts. fuck no. <laughs> I have a weird brain, and it oh my spits God, out crazy same. things. I would not inflict the inside of my brain on any partner. <laughs> Hell no. Please. But, you know, in this world, it works for them, and I thought that was very nice. Yeah. They so, don't even have antidepressants, and it works for them. I don't get it. But they're cute. It's a cute story. It's great. Um, this story, not only can they not communicate mentally, they can't communicate verbally. They so. can't do anything. These two are just the worst. But so Veronica, Veronica is a healer. Yep. There's a healer who can heal magically. And she shows up and she heals him. Um, it's very interesting because she heals him. She heals his... She goes into his body and sort of finds... Goes into his body in her mind palace. And she sort of finds that he was Frankenstein together. He was just sort of cobbled together by scientists to be a gladiator who was good at killing people. And not necessarily a solid system. Like he was built to die. He was built to fight and die. Which is pretty dope. Except that he can't now... His body is focusing so hard on just keeping the basic systems running that it cannot also heal the these wounds. The qui parasite. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the parasite, the worm that lives in him, um, is trying to just sort of keep his functions, his basic functions going, and it, can, it doesn't have time to heal his wounds, where normally the qui heals you pretty quickly. Um, Veronica can sort of dive in there, heal the 
internal parts of him that don't work well together, the Frankenstein parts, and get him, get his basic system running in, in a smoother way. And then because she does that, the Kui can stop focusing on that and can start focusing on healing him. Unfortunately, the Kui, once it has healed him, can focus on resonating, which is its next thing that it wants to do. The Kui resonates to another Kui in a, in a female's body when it wants those two people to procreate. And this is and when the nightmare happens. this is when the nightmare truly <laughs> sets off. And this is why I was like, Julie, you're not even close to the climax of this book. Yeah. So these two resonate to each other. And the thing is, Veronica has now passed out because she has overextended herself from healing. So she's in the cave with Ashtar. And they're just in the cave for like a week until Veronica is ready to like be a human again and like move on with her day. Yeah, it has sapped her energy. Yeah. And what starts happening is a, like a, a, I don't know how many ways I can describe nightmare. Like, it's really gross. Because <laughs> Gren sh- and Willa resonate. And normally, resonance makes you super horny. Great. You fuck each other until you make a baby and then you stop. I mean, you still fuck, but it's not, like, urgent. Yeah, and I feel like the thing is, when other people resonate, it is urgent, but it's not, like, to the point where it's debilitating. But these two seem, like, completely debilitated by their need to be constantly, like, for... Like, I'm not going to get into the details, because you can read it if you're that curious. I wouldn't. I would spare yourself if you were... (laughs) (laughs) It's really, really deeply upsetting. But, like... To the point where they're emaciated and, like, like they're on the verge of, like, death. Like, they're they're skeletal and dying because they are fucking themselves to death. Yes. They the can't stop. Does not, resonance does not get fulfilled. Usually it happens within a day or two with other people. They get pregnant and then they're able to go about their normal lives and just bang when they want to bang. This does not happen for them. The queens inside of their chests get more and more upset that they are not making the baby. And they fuck all of the time it escalates and like underneath their cave like they're up in a little bit of a mountain area is like where the community of people are now like that's where they live they're very close so everyone can just hear them fucking 24 hours and veronica a day. and ashtar who are living in this cave with them temporarily are while veronica recovers are very aware of it these two just scream fuck each other constantly with no regard to the other people and in the they're cave. still not there communicating aren't walls they're still not there communicating aren't rooms no they cannot speak to each other Mm-mm. all they're doing is fucking there is i'm gonna get into details i don't even care no. there's a point <laughs> there's a point <laughs> there is a point where it's described that every few minutes their bodies will be ready to have sex again they will be so hypersensitized because of the queen, because of their constant banging, that he will just basically roll atop her, thrust into her two to three times, orgasm, and she will too, because of course. But it's like painful hi- now. But they don't like it. They don't actually get any real pleasure out of it. It's just sort of a biological response. And then he will roll off of her and just try to recover until... He- his body forces him to do it again. And this is, again, I think before he gets the language chip. So it's, like, pretty yep. heinous. So eventually Veronica and Ashtar leave. They go back to the community because they're like, oh, we fixed it. We don't want to be here for this. We're going. Gross. Yeah, yeah. And then somebody else comes up and they're like, hey, we're trying to be nice. Would you like the language chip? So they give, finally, three quarters of the goddamn finally. book in. They give him the language chip and now he's able to communicate. And you'd think like, oh, they're going to start communicating and this is going to become like 
She's gonna turn. She's gonna turn it around. She doesn't turn it around, guys. It just keeps going downhill. They talk, but it doesn't seem. It doesn't really establish their relationship in nope. any meaningful way. Or At this point, they're already basically married to each other, but they have never spoken. And then when they start start talking, it's like, okay, fine. But she loved him when he was basically a dog yeti. All they're trying to figure out now is how to like stop fucking each other to death. So eventually, yes. and this is kind of where the story starts to turn in terms of like rejoining the community, is that. Willa and Gran decide that they want to go back to see Veronica because they think something is wrong. Because, like, all these other <laughs> Sakui dudes come up and they're like, hey, you want the language chip? And they're just shooting the shit like, yeah, we hear you guys all the time. For weeks and weeks. And they're like, resonance is fun. And then Willa's like, this isn't fun anymore. Is something wrong? And she's starting to realize, I think something's wrong. Like, I think we're broken. Like, this shouldn't be happening. And maybe because Gran is a splice monster... We're going to fuck each other to death. So they go back yeah. to the... I'm sorry. I like... Comp- is there more lines No, in go that? for it. Okay. Your your synopsis is just as... Is perfect. <laughs> is it better than the wiki? Because probably not. <laughs> it is. Okay. So then uh, they go back to the beach community because they're like on the beach now um, where the community is. And they find Veronica. <sighs> they find Veronica... And Veronica says that she essentially explains that the point of the resonance is to, like, consummate and create a child. And until you can have a child, this will continue. And because Gren is a splice monster, like, it's not going to happen as is. His, his, his body is not producing sperm that can right. actually impregnate her at this point. And so, like, I understand that not everyone can have a biological child just from, like, having sex, like... I'm a 31-year-old woman. Like, IVF, these are things that you think about as you get older. And this is the comparison I think they're trying to make in the book is, like, what happens next is the Ice Planet Barbarian version of IVF or, like, assisted Mm. pregnancy. And, again, no problems with that concept. But what ends up having to happen is that Veronica, so, like... The healer. Veronica the healer, Gren... Um, Willa and Ashtar are all in a tent together. And Veronica... So Willa's laying on the ground with Veronica holding onto her shoulders from behind as Gren has sex with Willa. Handmaid's Tale style. Ashtar is in the room just to keep everything above board, I guess. I don't know why. I know what. It's just I irrelevant. And then as Gren consummates Veronica, does something, her queed, Willa's queed, to make sure that the pregnancy holds and that she gets pregnant. She, like, heals the sperm and egg to the point where they can combine and she, like, create a baby. She, like, eases the pathway or whatever genetic thing. But it has to be while they are banging. Yes, because there so is no So they're banging while Veronica's just sitting there. Looking down at him. Yep. Touching Willa's shoulders. And it's like, uh, you are, <laughs> Veronica is watching a Yeti deformed dog man <laughs> fuck Willa to help them consummate so that they both don't die, literally die fuck from each how other much to that death. they are fucking. They're fucking so much they're going to die from it. And it's painful to read. And then you it's would think. so unpleasant. You would think, this is the end of the book. You are wrong. It continues. <laughs> it keeps going. Oh, it's a nightmare. Okay. I'm that was, I, I want to say that is the worst of the, like, yuck factor, though. Yeah, the rest of it's more like Willa just needs to get her shit straight. Like, she's a broken woman, and she does not know how to be a human being anymore. So, 
So remember Pashov, Pashov who got his head bashed in. Poor guy. He's still alive because Veronica healed him. And the thank freaking God, because that man has a child. <laughs> like, he has a whole family. A wife and a child, yep. And um, freaking Willa still seems like she doesn't have much remorse over her decisions. She feels remorseless over nothing that she did because she's convinced that she did it to save Gren, even though Gren was never in any mortal peril. Nope, they were never going to kill him. So They just tied him up for the, his and their safety. Yeah. And yet she holds... All of this against the tribe the entire time. Yeah. So Gren starts to kind of assimilate into the community because now he has language. He can communicate with the Sakui in a way he couldn't before. And he's like, I was trying to kill you. I'm sorry about that. And then he like learns how to hunt and like. Kind yeah, of... he, he assimilates nearly effortlessly, it feels yeah, like. Yeah, because I feel like once all the. Also, you have to think, like, his DNA splicing was kind of smoothed over, so maybe that kind of helped with some of the turmoil that he was dealing True. with. Yeah. He's more integrated as a person. Yeti monster. Um, <laughs> and, like, everyone in the community is, like, very nice about it. Like, hey, we know you were going through some shit. Sorry about that. They're all super forgiving, super chill. Yeah, not a the big deal. The only person not chill in this entire thing is fucking Willa, who has no reason to not be chill. No, she just, like, is really, really holding on to the fact that they had... I think Audrey's outside the store. Okay, where were we? Oh, yeah, so Willa is just really holding on to the fact that they were mean to Gren once while Gren was trying to kill them. And essentially, like, the book, the book ends with... Willa deciding that Gren deserves to have community. And friends. And friends. And, like, a purpose other than fucking her. Like, she's like, yes, he needs he needs this. She doesn't need this. She doesn't like the women really very much. She doesn't like the men very much. She's, she's like, let's just escape into the wilderness and live with the two of us because they were mean to you. Yeah, she just wants to be with Gren and that's it. And he's like, no, they were cool. I Honestly, I was being kind of a shithead. They had every right to treat me that way. Yeah. They're being super nice now. Yeah. So she She's not, not... She just doesn't get it. She doesn't no. trust them for no reason. Oh. She doesn't like them for no reason. Nope. And she barely, barely stays because she sees that Gren is having like a positive conversation with one of the ones. And then he's laughing. And she's like, I guess I'll stay for him. I guess I'll stay with this pit bull, even though at any point this could turn into a dog fighting ring again. Yep. And she, she comes to no resolution, really, other than sort of grim resignation about her situation. Yep. And she's pregnant, pregnant by this monster. The end. The end. That's the book. <laughs> That's the fucking... It's a... It's a horror show. That book was a, a horror show. And yeah. it was so bad. It was a slog. It was painful. It was like... Like, it gave, it gave me, like, body horror feelings, which I don't really want out of a romance novel. I don't, I don't want to feel, like, I don't want to feel myself in my skin, like, crawling. Um, people loved it on Amazon. Yeah. Though, and I will never understand. People, people fucking love Gren, they which love him. I don't understand because he didn't really have much of a personality. Other than... I think orgasming it's, I think a lot. it's, like, people who have the fix him fantasy, but, like, to such an extreme level. I can fix him. And the best part is that she didn't fix him at all. Not really. Veronica a healer did. made his body better, and a tribe made his mind better, and she resisted both and finally gave in to both and then still didn't trust either. I will say of the tropes that I like, the I can fix him one is one of my least favorite. I just don't really like it For very sure, much. because per we've personally. lived it, unfortunately, and we don't need that in our escapism. 
No. Your no, eyes don't. just went. You're, you just traveled like 15 years in six seconds. I saw it all pass over your face. That was so it's sad like, and scary. It's like for me, for a second, I was me, but then I was also like hundreds of generations of women in my family. And I was just yep. like, oh no. <laughs> We're sick of this. Don't put it in the books anymore. No. Nobody wants to fix men anymore. I mean, some people quit. That's not fair. That's not fair because obviously a lot of women loved this book and loved Gren and hated Willa, which I'm like just confused about. But personally for myself and speaking for Julie as well, we're tired of fixing men. Not that I really had the opportunity to fix too many like romantically, I'd say men. Um, But like, you know. It's just because we refuse to. (laughs) When we present the man he's fixing, we run away. (laughs) We're already fixing ourselves every day. Yeah, we don't have the I space think, to fix a man. I think like in the space of an actual human relationship on planet Earth and not in a book, you know, there's a lot of moments, you know, of turmoil and mutual spaces of fixing. But the fixing should come from within. The fixing shouldn't come from without. Like you should fix yourself. Your partner should fix yourself. And then you guys should be there for each other yeah. while you learn that. Be the best versions of yourselves that you can for each other. Don't look at Gren and Willa and think, I want that. Don't fuck a Yeti. This is is judgy. I'm sorry. I'm being harsh. I know people did like it. But I I disclaimed it. That's what we're here to do. It's art. I disclaimed it in the beginning that I didn't like this book and I was going to rip it to shreds. Also, we drove away all our listeners at the beginning, remember? So they're gone now. It's just us here. <laughs> I mean. Don't fuck a Yeti, you guys. I, With, like, a distorted mouth, you can only lick his face. Like, lick. And at the end, they're, like, walking through the tribal village, casually, like, licking each other's faces because that's how they kiss, as if it's the cutest, most charming thing in the world. And I will say, like... Again, this is obviously a work of fiction, and this is an escapist work of fiction. It's not something that's aspirational in life. Any None of these books are aspirational for what you should aspire to in your real life. It's very much escapist fiction. Yeah. But, like, don't aspire or don't, like, think that, like, sex is going to fix things. Because <laughs> it's not. Especially if it's with a Yeti. Especially with a Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't go find bigfoot don't go freaking bigfoot truthers out there trying to find bigfoot just so (laughs) they can fuck him alone don't fuck him leave wants to i guess no no leave bigfoot alone if he can't speak (laughs) english and communicate with you that this is something he wants to do or whatever language you're speaking yeah he can't consent he's an animal consent miss dixon you gotta really look it up in the dictionary (laughs) bestiality is not a thing i want to read in my romance novels nor do i want to read about people fucking each other half to death not cute doesn't make me feel romantic again it was body horror (laughs) we just body horror through and through we read a lot of body horror and it was really unpleasant and i'll never pick that one up again i would recommend it to zero people it's a unless unless you are like julie because julie does like to read horror I do like to read horror, and but like, when I go in expecting romance and I get horror, I, I, I like having expectations met. Okay, that's fair. And I don't like reading about people fucking yetis. Yeah. Turns out I learned something about myself throughout this. 
The more you know. Just look at Google the book cover. Google the book cover God, of Willa's Beast. The book cover. Just tell me how you feel. The book cover of all of these are hilarious, and I feel like not necessarily representative of what you're actually going to get when you open no. it. So this one is accurate though. It's awful to I look at with I the eyes. I'm not going to. It's bad. So I'm gonna. We have to call it. I'm calling yeah. it on Ice Planet Barbarians. This is episode two of our deep dive into the Ice Planet Barbarian world. And I think we're going to put it down now in terms of the Unless podcast. Unless something totally wild and amazing happens that we want to talk about, we're probably done with Ice Planet Barbarians. So I'm going to say that I'm done with Ice Planet Barbarians <laughs> unless Julie texts me like, hey, book 32 was really great and you need to read it. I'm on like 28 right now. I'm flying through. Yeah, I stopped at this. I actually read the one Gail's child or something in that the the novella and it was not my favorite so i was like it you wasn't know enough to save you from the the k-hole that is willis beast so yeah, willis beast made me sick to my stomach <laughs> genuinely <laughs> so uh going forward we can do this offline we can do it on the podcast i've got a thousand book recommendations i love it are you feel I, I mean i definitely have some that we've read that i know we've both read that i already want to talk about I want to talk about TJ Klune. I want to talk about The Hating Game. I want to talk about all these fun things. Yeah. And so I know we'll there's there's so many genres of romance that you haven't really, like, you haven't read Regency. No, I need you to Sherpa me through. You haven't read Time like, Travel. Regency. Ooh, I've got, yeah. Time, oh, I love I I've got a moment. really good Time Travel one. I've got a really good Regency era one that are on my list. And then. Love it. I, I do love The Gay Werewolves. Shout out to TJ I, I would TJ love Klune. to talk about TJ Klune. Yeah. We can do. I would have to reread it because I haven't read it. <laughs> I haven't read in it like in a six year. and a half months. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's my comfort book. I love to read those that book series because it They're really great. takes me to a happy place. So, do you want to do the Green Creek book series, Wolf Song? Yeah, I, let's. For now, we'll plan to do that one next, and then okay. if something changes, that's fine too. This is cash. Dope. We're good. <laughs> Gross. Um, but yeah, we always welcome recommendations. Pod of convenience at gmail.com is our email address send us those as always send us your meet cutes we love to hear about real life meet cutes and we will shout you out on the show if you have a really particularly cute one or fun one or juicy one um send us all the information if you're listening ruby dixon our biggest fan email us just email us because just email us we've just started this podcast and we don't have a single email in our inbox and we would love to hear from you yeah we want to hear all your all your good stuff. We want to create so. a spicy podcast community. <laughs> about not, no longer about Ice Planet Barbarians, but about all sorts of good romance novels. Not saying that Ice Planet Barbarians weren't good, but this one was not. <laughs> this one was bad. And we love talking about a bad book as much as we love talking about a good book. So thank you for listening. Many thanks. We love you. And we love you. We hope to see you on our next podcast episode. Yeah, keep listening to us, unless you were one of the people that we alienated at the beginning, and then fuck off. Yeah, not to you, but to everyone else. Rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs> yeah, don't don't rate, review, and subscribe if I alienated you earlier. No. Anyway, love you. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.